and welcome. You are listening to an episode of the Sales Chat Show. To stream or download a host of further free episodes that will power your sales success, please visit saleschatshow.com. We really hope that you enjoy and benefit from this episode. Hello folks, Simon Hazeldean, Phil Jessen and Graham Jones here, are ready for another exciting episode of the Sales Chat Show, saleschatshow.com, driving your sales success. I really don't quite know where to begin with this session, folks. I've been handed a piece of paper that says Graham is going to start talking about why the most important sales tool you need to use online is not online. I can only assume this is some form of psychological test that you are inflicting upon me, Mr. Jones. What on earth are you talking about, my esteemed colleague? What got me thinking about this was the fact that um, there I am, I'm an internet psychologist, and I've spent the last month without the internet. And the the reason for that is that my broadband supplier, um, together with the the telephone supply company, have managed to, you know, make a complete mess of my broadband, uh, which was non-existent. And because I live in the middle of the countryside, there's no kind of internet access via mobile phones, not unless I stand on one leg... (laughs) <laughs> you know, and it's a Wednesday and the wind's in the right direction. So I was completely isolated from the internet for several days. And it got me thinking, what do people do without the internet? And what impact does the internet have on us? And one of the first impacts I noticed when I did get my internet back was the sheer volume of emails that I had. Mm-hmm. And we all get a lot of emails. Do you get emails? Do you get, get lots of emails? One or two. One or, one two. or two. Yeah, well, yeah, it's one or two hundred, or it used to be one or two hundred. So the average number of emails we used to get a day was about two hundred. It's now near a five hundred emails per day that we're getting. And what's happening is that instead of a salesperson spending their day selling, they're now spending a third of their day sorting out emails. Mm-hmm. And that means they're not getting to as many opportunities as they could do. So this whole kind of online productivity is the internet is actually making business worse for us, not better. So there's some great things that the internet does. We can research our customers in much greater detail than we ever did before. We can find out how to get to them more quickly with the quickest possible route rather than driving around around the countryside for hours. So there's lots of benefits to the internet, but there's lots of huge disbenefits. And one of those is the volume of stuff we shove at our customers in terms of emails and social media notices and pages we recommend to them and stuff we keep sending them. And actually, it's much easier if you forget all that and pick up the phone. Because they don't get many phone calls now. So you, if you want to stick out, if you want to be different, if you want to be noticed, use the internet to research your customers, but don't use it very much to contact your customers. Instead, pick up the phone. Go and see them. Talk to them. Buy them a coffee. Go and see them face to face. So the internet can do part of your sales job, but actually we need to go back to the old-fashioned ways. Because I had to, because I had no internet. And how did you find that transition back to picking up the phone more? How did you find your clients responded Other to... Other than having to work out which way round the phone went. Yes, yes, used it yes, yes, which bit do I put to my ear? I mean, it is obviously, <laughs> to, for our listeners, is Graham's fault for living in a 
you know, sort of 18th century massive stonewall mansion in the middle of nowhere. I'm sure I've never been to Graham, never been to Jones Towers, but I'm sure that's that's what it must look like. But that's, I mean, seriously, how, how, well, how liberating did, or um, well, it it was interesting because people then said, "Oh, nice to hear from you," because before you'd emailed them and they responded to emails. But actually, they like speaking to... We're human beings. We like speaking to people. We like talking to people. We like being human. And email isn't human. It's just flat text. Because it's very so interesting. I was, less of it. I was talking to someone who, whose business is basically around marketing information. And um, they're now doing a two-stage process. So they use online... Sorry, they use offline methods to get people to go to their online yep. website where it's got a whole sales page for the products and everything. And their view was, I'd be interested in yours, that the internet's a hard place to attract people's attention because it's very crowded. But once you've got someone there, it's a very good place to sell people things. And so they're using things like postcards and little display ads in newspapers and direct one-page direct mail letters as a lead generator that then gets the people to their online which is interesting because that's yeah well almost. I mean that, that's one of the things about the internet when we look at all the successful companies on the internet even if you take the BBC news site mm. it's one of the most popular if not the most popular news website in the world and yeah it doesn't do any pay-per-click it doesn't do any SEO it doesn't do all these things that are supposedly good for us but what does it do it broadcasts, and on the broadcast, you're listening to the radio, they'll say, and to find out more about this, go to bbc.co.uk forward slash radio 4. Or if you're watching the TV, it will put a caption up telling you where. So they get their web traffic from the real world. That's exactly how Facebook started. Facebook had no means of advertising or getting people to its website. So what did they do? They went to the student newspaper at Harvard to begin with, got an article published in a print newspaper and it was that article that got people to the website so we mm. the successful websites in the world use offline marketing to drag people to their website so they see this connection between offline and offline far too many businesses go oh we're on the internet so we've got to do all the marketing on the internet and then they get that's what leads them to sell to their prospects and their clients loads of emails, loads of stuff, which just becomes noise. Alongside the uh, use of the telephone, would you also include hard copy marketing? Is that going to make a return? Because people are just not getting the quantity that they used to get. Yeah, I, I don't think it's ever left us. I just think that there are fewer opportunities for people to use it. Yeah. So um, people are not creating enough opportunities. So they have a they have hard copy, and what do they do? They email somebody the PDF of it. And it would be much easier to just, you know, nip around there or put it in the post. And these kind of things will have much more impact. People like physical tactile things. We're physical, three-dimensional beings, and we're not using enough of that. So salespeople are missing out a trick here, because what's happened is the internet has dragged them so far into the electronic world, mm. and they've forgotten that actually we live in a three-dimensional, real living world and we need to go back to more maybe, of maybe it hasn't actually dragged them maybe they've been uh, happy to go there because of course they're handing over responsibility for yeah. the conversion yeah. process to, a, to an electronic medium rather than yeah. having to do it themselves and there of course is an attraction to that because then you can collect data uh, which you can't collect as easily from you know having a coffee with a prospect and mm. and uh, maybe sending them something in the post 
there's no real data you can collect. So actually, in terms of reports and in terms of sales managers reporting to sales directors, they can produce loads of data saying, we sent out this many email newsletters, this many people opened it, this many people clicked on a link, and this many people bought, or bought something. So if only we send out another 28 million email newsletters this week, we will get that degree of conversion and we'll end up with those more sales. But you can be very busy, can't you, online, yeah. with social media, and with a whole lot of things, and being very, very unproductive, or being highly productive you know so there is a there is a thing there best I suppose what we're trying to work out what the best of both worlds now I hear what you're saying but what about all the data that says that cold calling is getting hard over the telephone and in person is getting harder and harder to do and response rates for cold so you're saying pick up the phone but I'm seeing a ton of data that says cold calling rates are dropping Rapidly, and the gatekeepers, if you want to call them that, are uh, are more experienced, maybe, in keeping the likes of us and our listeners away from those decision makers that uh, Graham is advocating that we talk to direct. Yeah, but you're talking about cold calling. Mm -hmm. Did I say we should do cold calling? Ah, I'd rather do warm calling to people you already know are interested in. So we've done that research online. We've got people to, we've used offline, our marketing team have used offline marketing to drag people to our website, um, to get people to be interested in our stuff. We now know who they are, and now we can call those people who are interested. So for example, um, I was looking for house insurance the other day, yeah. and I was on a website, and uh, I filled in my data to get some information uh, about, you know, uh, to get a quote, and this quote appeared on the screen, and it said, "You know, you you can assure your. What did you describe my house as? Palatial <laughs> 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 yeah. mansion, yeah, I think. I, something yeah. like that. Okay, well, I've got very cheap offer for the insurance <laughs> on that then. So, <laughs> <laughs> they said, "Here's, you know, the insurance is three hundred quid or whatever it is." And I thought that's fine. I'll file that away together with all the other things I've looked for. Within two minutes, I had a phone call from that company. Oh, good. Saying, "We see you looked on your website, and we have a got a." got to see the quote um, yeah I said yeah that's true thanks very much for calling they said um, now tell me have you had any claims uh, in the last five years and I thought well that's very interesting because I thought I answered that question on the form and I said no I've not had any claims and this person said in which case you're exactly the kind of customer we want somebody who's just the kind of co- not somebody who claims a lot you know you're just the kind of customer we want so even though you've had that quote online, why don't I talk to you about how I can lower that for you? Oh, okay, clever. And so now, out of you know, there's six or seven companies that I've filled in forms for. That's the only company who's phoned me. Which company do you think I'm probably going to do my insurance with? Yeah, yeah, that is interesting. That is interesting. I can't deny that. Yeah, it's best of both worlds, isn't yeah. it? It's the kind of so, phrase that's so sitting that, with me is working out what's the best. What's that wasn't the best a cold on. call. Yeah, yeah. You might list it as a cold call, but it was a warm call because I'd already expressed an interest in their product, yeah. and they knew that, and they phoned me immediately whilst I'm still in that warm yeah. phase. It's no good collecting email information and phoning people a month after they've filled in a "Can I subscribe to your newsletter?" kind of thing. You've got to phone them at the moment be fascinating to know what their conversion rate is where they just leave a control group who just get online quotations and the group where they get quotations and then there's a follow-up phone call because I'm sh- I've been 
because you're actually phoning a very very well qualified prospect right. who is in the process of researching buying yeah so you're in a good position then to influence them yeah whereas often now buyers are researching a lot and then when they're ready they're bringing the salesperson in at quite a late stage in the sales process so you're a very weak position to influence buying criteria, for example, at that stage, well, that, aren't that, you? that happens with car sales, for instance. A few years ago, you used to visit an average of nearly eight car dealers. Yeah. Uh, now you visit just over one. And the reason for that is you have researched cars online. You've made up your mind which car you're going yeah. to buy. All you're doing at that stage is which dealer am I going to get it from? I'm going to buy a Ford. It's going to be from a Ford dealer. They have no means of influencing you. You've already predicted you know, configured the model you want, mm. and you go to them and say, I want a red one, I want automatic, I want five doors, I want this, that, the other, that's the car I want. They've got very little room to upsell, because you've made the decision, if they were only, Pretty if they were, cool. when you were configuring your car and they phoned you at that point, you'd have a much greater chance of being upsold, you'd have a much greater chance of buying from them, all kind of things become much more positive to, to the salesperson. But we're, we're relying too much on the internet and not enough on picking up the phone. So if I summarise what you're saying, you're making sure you're doing your research, if at all possible, you're influencing the customer online, if at all possible, yeah. and then you're then making, in your words, a warm call to a reasonably well-qualified yeah. suspect. I know, Phil, you talk about, don't you, suspects, prospects, customers, key accounts. So these would be sort of somewhere between suspect and prospects, wouldn't they? Yeah, they're kind of in yeah. that area, aren't they? And then yeah. the call is about, is this actually a prospect? Do I qualify out and ditch? Yeah. Or do I, is there then a reasonable fighting chance of turning the prospect into a pain? Yeah. Yeah, so your behaviour is, you're clearly a suspect for them because you're looking for home yeah. insurance. You've gone to the trouble of filling out a quotation form, which is you are doing something to gather information. Yeah. And then they're phoning you right at the time and you're starting within to... Within two minutes of me submitting the form, <clears throat> they phoned me. They've said they want me as a customer. Yeah, and that's, that's really important. Yeah. yeah. They want me as a customer because I'm the kind of person they want to do business with. Yeah. And that they, are, in order to do that, they're prepared to give me a better deal. They've already said that. But then the interesting thing was, but obviously you're researching this online. When do you think you'll have finished your research? Oh, smart. So I said, um, well, probably Wednesday. And they said, okay, if we call you mid-Wednesday afternoon, will that be okay? Certainly, I said. So she said, okay, my name's Alicia. I'll call you on Wednesday afternoon. Very interesting. Very nice. Nice approach. Very, very so, nice approach. You know, that's, but that is using the internet part of the way, whereas the other companies send me an email saying, you've had a quote... Mm. buy here click here to buy now and I'm thinking well no because I've now got several quotes from different companies and they're all much of a muchness yeah. and nobody has said they want me as a customer nobody's going to give me a better deal I'm actually apart from this one customer the company that's picked up the phone so let me just ask you a question if I may many of our listeners will be out there on the sales territory nine to five as it were and many will be doing emails probably early evening or yeah. after the kids are in bed or whatever. But if if um, uh, if they are to allocate time in the diary to pick up the telephone and be proactive 
uh, with prospects and what have you. Do you have any thoughts on the various times of the week that it's best to be doing that? Because there are some interesting theories on that, aren't there? There, there are some theories as when it's best to phone, but the best time to phone is when the person is thinking of buying. And so the chances are that's when they are doing actions on your website. They haven't just visited a page and disappeared. They are. You can see them going from page to page. They're researching this. That's the time to phone. And that means that those salespeople have got to have sales managers who think a bit differently. So I think we've got lots of sales managers who issue edicts by email. They expect email replies. There are email conversations, which means their sales staff are spending a lot of time emailing, about three hours a day now, which means they've got less time to do the phone calls. So what we need is sales managers who are prepared to accept that their sales staff only check emails once a week. Oh, there's a bold. So, sorry, salespeople on average three hours a three day. Hours a is day. that salespeople data all, or all, all, people, all people? All business okay. people. And then sales so wouldn't necessarily be any less than that. Be so, any less. Okay, all business so people three hours. All a business day. people is three hours a day on email now. On and average. So, um, what we need to do is take that. That's productivity time. So. You, they haven't got time to phone people because they're too busy. Hang on a minute, Mr. Jones. Hang on a minute. I'm sure our listeners on a previous occasion have heard us say that we have to exceed the expectations of the customer. If the customer has an expectation that that salesperson is going to respond to the email within the hour, isn't there some danger in delaying that? Uh, that's because you're suggesting that the only way they can communicate is through email. Um, but there are other ways of communicating. There's this, there is this thing called the telephone. I have used it recently. <laughs> you so, <had> to. Yeah, <laughs> I had no internet, so I had to use it. So we manage expectations. If you tell people, I'm only going to answer my emails once a week on a Friday afternoon, they know if they email you on Friday afternoon, it's going to be another week before they get a reply. Especially you do have to think about how you set your sales team up and your sales force up and what you want them to be doing. You know, and a field-based salesperson travelling around a lot is often not in the best position to answer emails properly right. or to a very good quality. So I think it is thinking about how you how you organise your business and how you discipline. I can, I can see I can see Graham's point. I think a weak salesperson will also use an incoming email to change their plan and the proactive sales course yeah. calls in the afternoon are now gone yeah. uh, and the salesperson has convinced themselves that they ought to be rushing off immediately to respond to the email that came through at 10.30. And in terms of, in terms of back to Phil's point about timing for calls, I mean, I think, yes, I'd, I'd be very interested to know of any reliable data that supports good kinds. There will be by certain industries, for example, yeah. there may be certain times. I think my experience is that's mainly used as a bit of an excuse not to bother because well nobody answers the phone in the morning or nobody answers the phone at lunchtime or and I think it very much depends on knowledge of your customers, knowledge of your industry and you know between 9 and 10 is a good time and between 10 and 11 can be a good time and between 11 and 12 can be a good time. I mean you know it just I think people spend a lot of time working out when not to make phone calls so they don't have to make phone calls you know it's it's fine. Yeah, I mean, I used to work in the newspaper industry, and you used to hear PR people say that the only time you should ring a national newspaper journalist is kind of, you know, eight, nine o'clock in the morning, because that's when they're setting up their day, but never ring them at five in the afternoon, because they're coming up to their deadlines. Now, of course, a journalist is coming up to their deadlines at five in the afternoon. It's tough, busy time for national mm. newspapers. But if it's a good story, it doesn't matter what time the phone rings. So, actually, all the PR people are saying is... The stories that we've got are so rubbish 
there's no point in interrupting people at that time of day. Yeah. So it's not what time of day it is, is that if you've got the right product or the right service for that customer, they'll take your call anytime. Yeah, it's only an interruption. Yeah. If, if you're it's not, wrong. If you're not interested yeah. at that time, isn't yeah. it? That's just probably the problem with cold calling, is yeah. usually it's an interruption to a perfect stranger about something that they're currently not necessarily focused on and occasionally yeah. you get a lucky break yeah. and you just find them which is the numbers game of cold calling whereas yeah. you know if I found a journalist with the scoop of the century no matter how busy he or she was they That's would find a gap absolutely yeah. yeah and they would they hold the press if and they it, do such a it, thing anymore it's the same with sales that if that person wants to buy the thing that you're selling and they're thinking about buying that thing at this moment they'll take your call mm. so it's the phone call at the right time yeah, yeah. with the right message. And you can use the internet to work out what the right time is. Yeah. So what we sort of got in conclusion is is online, offline. It's best of both worlds. And I guess the action point for people listening in is to consider what's the best of both worlds yeah. opportunity for you. Have a look at your success rates online and offline and work out where it's poor and then try something else. A lot of online marketing is around testing, yeah. and you can do that. And you can test offline as well. So the market will eventually tell you what works and what doesn't work. And if your online stuff is not succeeding, do anything else. Just try try a different approach and see what you get. So we're looking for best of, best of both worlds. It's integration of offline and online, which is not happening enough. Fantastic. So, uh, and, and pick up the phone, as I'm sure Alicia is going to do with Graham tomorrow afternoon, because today well, we're recording this on a Tuesday. So, Alicia, there you go. I even know her name. She's used that as well, which again makes it a, it makes it a person, doesn't yeah. it? Makes it a person. And how I love the sentence, you're just the sort of customer we're looking for. Yeah. That's, that's almost a bit. I can't not buy from it now. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, we've been previously recording sessions on recruitment, so I just think we'll find out who Alicia uh, works for. And it uh, sounds like she might be a candidate for a bit of headhunting by somebody. So, Alicia, if you're listening, all those phone calls from recruitment agencies, they're our fault because you're doing a good job. <laughs> so, it's been Graham Jones in the hot seat, Mr. Phil Jess, and I've been Simon Hazeldean for the saleschatshow.com, driving your sales success. Thank you very much for listening. You have been listening to an episode of the Sales Chat Show. To stream or download a host of further free episodes that will power your sales success, please visit saleschatshow.com. Thank you very much for listening to this episode. And from everyone here at the Sales Chat Show, we'd like to wish you good luck and good selling.